Delighted to have an opportunity to chat with Melanie Lynch. For those of you who don't know, Melanie is an entrepreneur, an award-winning creative, and a person who has a massive passion for justice, equality, and storytelling. I think that they are three incredible traits. Melanie, I am so excited to hear your story, and I know that everything you have prepared for us is just going to be unbelievable. So before we uh, start all of that and go on that journey with you, tell us a little bit about yourself, who Melanie Lynch is, and what you do. So my name is Melanie and I'm the founder and CEO of Her Story. Um, and I suppose for all the young girls listening today, um, I started my career in advertising, but I'm a socialist by nature. And I, I really, I was quite confused. I didn't know what to do with my life. Um, but I, uh, I went to Kenya, I took a detour. I was supposed to go London, Paris, and then New York. I took a detour to Kenya and I thought, God, I've got all these amazing communication skills. I could put them to better use than selling people things they don't need because that's the reality of the advertising industry. You have to sell a lot of things that people don't need. And um, so, and I'm fueling capitalism and everything else like that. It's not really my cup of tea. Deep down, it wasn't who I am. So I, uh, yeah, I made a number of discoveries that started her story. Um, Josephine Hart, a local heroine in Mullingar. She was literally, quite literally bulldozed out of history. Uh, in 2015 and um, then I was introduced to a book called Wild Irish Women and I recognized five of the 75 names and I know in the school curriculum today there's about a handful of women not much has changed so I'm, I'm trying to, to make that happen to, to rewrite the curriculum someday so that all the young girls and boys can hear these epic stories of Irish women because there's literally thousands of them it's absolutely amazing it's like finding treasure every day so that's her story Incredible. Uh, can we just go back to your life as a young person? Because I find it fascinating that you list out all of these places that you've been that have obviously shaped your journey and shaped who you are today. So how does, how did it all, we'll say, start for you? Let's go back to maybe the age of some of the young girls that are tuning in today. When you were 16 or 17 doing your leaving cert and finishing school, where did, how did you end up carving that life of adventure, I guess? Yeah, so I suppose at like at 15, 16, I was I was kind of a bizarre student because I loved, like, I did applied maths physics and honours maths for the Leaving Cert, but I also did art, and art was probably my best subject. I got an A1 of the Leaving Cert art. And I loved English and, and creative writing. So I didn't know whether I'd go down the academic route because I was naturally gifted at maths or to go down the more creative route. So I, I have to confess, I, I chose a very serious first degree subject title, um, Mathematics and Philosophy in Trinity terribly serious and I neglected my creative side for a year and it made me miserable so I was watching a movie called What Women Want it's a romantic comedy with Mel Gibson in it and that was the inspiration I thought this is before the Mad Men days you should never actually admit this publicly but it was before the Mad Men days before it was cool and uh, I followed I, I followed a career in advertising and um, I studied in the UK and then got on a train to London and worked for the number one advertising agency actually in London at the time Bartley Bubble Hegarty an amazing experience working on a Bernardo's campaign there. So the impact of communications, if it's used for good, um, the, the campaign raised an extra two million for the charity in the middle of a recession and the volunteering applications were going up by 50% nationwide. So I just saw the, the, the power of communications, but then I, I, you know, I spent many years, unfortunately, trying to do as much charity and nonprofit work, work for good, but the reality is you end up fueling capitalism and selling people shit they don't need pardon my french so i was in paris and it was great fun i really enjoyed paris a lot of fun there um even though i don't speak fluent french it's bizarre it's my worst subject in school to be honest and um and then yeah i just kind of i suppose i woke up to myself and to who i truly am and the skills that i had acquired and um i channeled all those skills into her story so um that's why it's so visual and colorful and um 
and uh, I work with so many great artists and creatives and illustrators and filmmakers and animators and like, there's never a boring day like it's just really it's a really fascinating uh, very humbling experience to work on a project like this so yeah. that's what I say to young people is like you might think you, you've got a particular direction or you want to start one career or, or one degree but nothing's ever lost like I even use my philosophy skills from my one year in Trinity I thought I was wasting a year of my life but I actually use those now if I'm writing funding applications or I use them for writing the Bernardo scripts you know uh, to build an argument that's so strong that you can't pick a hole in it or you know it's so powerful so nothing's ever lost and all the dots will eventually join up that's as Steve Jobs said you can only see that looking backwards though not looking forward so you just need to see the, the first step in front of you and then all the other steps will naturally appear that's been yeah. my experience that's really well said Melanie and I think it's fascinating to hear that as well that you know you had the confidence to make that change and to you know re recognize that maybe you weren't being true to yourself in one career even though it was paying your bills so that's really you know refreshing as well for students who probably are finding themselves in a tough uh, place deciding what to do after school um, I've heard, I guess I do want to talk about her story. Obviously, it's your baby. It's your creation. You must yeah. be so proud of her story. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, I guess, just give us a little insight into what exactly it is. I've heard it being referred to as a cultural movement, which is uh, a big title. It is actually, it is classified officially by official Ireland. They do call it a movement. Um, so there's lots of different elements to it. I suppose one of my proudest moments was in 2018, we co-produced, I actually initiated the first ever women's exhibition to tour the Irish Embassy Network worldwide. So that's been at the United Nations headquarters in New York and the Council of, of, um, of Europe in Strasbourg. And that tells the stories of, of 21 epic Irish diaspora women from all around the world and what they achieved. So you can go on to the herstory.ie website and read their stories, they're all there. And we also, last year, we created a huge production with Orti. So we had an epic TV series, six-part documentary series about six trailblazing Irish women. Then we asked the young people of Ireland who their heroines were, and six of the wonderful stories were turned into animated short films. And you can watch them on Orti Player. They're there forevermore. There's also an 18-part podcast series on rte.ie for slash her story. And the school workshops, we've had, I think, 90,000 students um, complete our school workshops so far. And we have an international light festival as well. So we light up landmarks all across Ireland and internationally with women on Bridget's Day. And we're running a campaign to make Bridget's Day a national holiday because, come on, I mean, if the world likes a green St. Patrick's Day, we don't even have a national holiday for our, our matron saint and goddess triple goddess she was a goddess don't forget first and foremost a goddess okay we're reclaiming that part of her um it's like it's about time come on we're we're like certainly ireland is, is, is a much more modern egalitarian country and we need to reflect that and how we treat our women and we have to celebrate too because we need a party we need a party on in, in, in book yeah I love that and I couldn't agree more and I love your passion for feminism and for you know empowering women as well I think that's essentially what you're doing you're empowering the past the present and the future women so why is that so important to you Melanie why is empowering women you know that fuel that fuels your fire because I didn't grow up with these stories when I was in school I just thought there was five women that did anything in Irish history um so it was so shocking when I sat down with the Royal Irish Academy and they said look we've got something to tell you we decided to count the number of women in the dictionary. And there's over 1,000 women's stories, like over 1,000. And all these women could be in the school books. They're that remarkable. And then I just started looking around at like how women are treated in popular culture and how like, you know, it's very diluted, like the, the, like the celebrity culture and how that dominates the narrative and can be terribly vacuous at times. And like the influence of the likes of Kim Kardashian on our young people today when there are so many awesome 
really authentic role models out there. And that's what I suppose I wanted to, to give young Irish people. So these are the stories that I didn't have growing up. But I was lucky, I suppose I came from a family where women were equal to men. So I actually never, I never called myself a feminist growing up because I didn't even know we really needed feminism. I, I never felt held back by my gender. I was very lucky and that's from a long, a long history of my mother's line um, of uh, Northern Irish men who thought women were equal. My great-grandfather had no question about educating his daughter, you know, that was it. Like, so, yeah, that's where I get that fire from, I suppose. Um, and I was lucky to have that, but not all girls have that growing up, you know. And the boys, boys need authentic female role models too and to see what's possible. Um, yeah, but I really, I'm really inspired by this generation, your generation in particular, Young Girls of Ireland today, because when we did the Who's Your Heroine um, call-out for the animation series, the stories that came back were really insightful. You guys put equal emphasis on caring and compassion as well as breaking world records. And that was a real wake up call for all the adults on the project because it was almost prophetic. It was almost like, you know, pre-COVID times, you guys knew what was important and we needed to remember that because there can be so much focus on success being, you know, flying to Mars or breaking a world record or making lots of profit and having a big bank account and everything. But is that really success? And is that really what matters? Is that going to ultimately, like, is it going to serve you and your happiness and um, the good of humanity and society? Because, like, the reality is, like, we've had this too much focus on the patriarchal defini definitions of success and not on the more feminine, yin, um, compassionate definitions of success. So I just thought it was so amazing that the young people were already there and we had to watch and listen. We listened to you guys. We really listened. They were like, wow, love the next generation. So inspired by them. Yeah. That's amazing to hear. And it's great to, it's great to, I suppose, acknowledge that, you know, we are like transitioning all the time as a culture and we're becoming more open-minded and we're definitely maybe being less judgmental as well, which is something that needs to happen in this yeah. country. Um, I love the fact that you talk about having um, authentic role models and people that are role models in your lives that aren't, you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world or aren't popular in celebrity culture. So can you tell us, Melanie, a little bit about who your role models are? Who are these trailblazers and women that, uh, that you admire? So I'm going to introduce you to only five of them. I mean, I have dozens, but I'm going to share five of them with you today because... There are so many. So I think I briefly explained that I went on a trip to Kenya and it had a big influence on me, this trip to Kenya. And I learned there that I worked for, with an anthropologist up in this amazing conservatory um, called the Galman Conservancy. And she explained to me that tribal cultures underpin their whole social economic structures, their storytelling, their mythology, their, everything comes from the origin story. Um, of the tribe and the fascinating thing about Ireland is three of our origin stories are goddess stories so what does that tell us about the ancient Irish people they really believed in women's empowerment and Cesar is a story that most people know have never heard of in Ireland it's reported her story is reported in the book of invasions it's one of the very first ever texts written about um about Irish stories and uh she was her story is more epic than Homer's Odyssey she actually had to tour across the known worlds the whole of the known world to get to Ireland. She started in Sudan and she traveled all across, you can see here the Middle East, um, all across Europe, South Europe, up through the, up to the UK, France to get to Ireland. And she was the, so it's a mythology now, it's, it's not true, it's not true story, but um, what I find fascinating about her story is that she's, she's supposed to be the, 
the granddaughter of the mythic Noah. And you know, he built his ark and he's kind of famous for building his ark, but he wouldn't let her on the ark, like not a very nice guy. So she said, feck it, I'll build my own ark. And she decided, I said, I'm gonna go off my own epic voyage. And she did it. And she came to Ireland and she only needed three men and 50 women on the journey. So it's a really strong feminist tale. Um, fair play to the monks for recording this now in the Book of Invasions. Like they're real feminist monks, those early monks back in the year, the early Christian days. And um, I just love this story because it just shows you, it gives you a real glimpse into ancient Irish thinking and our respect and our, I suppose, our empowerment of women back then and, and how we lost that and how we need to reclaim that. And if you say, if you compare it to say the, the mythic origin story of Christianity, it's the story of Adam and Eve. And of course that myth has been used, a very powerful myth, it's been used to suppress women for 2000 years. But in contrast, we have this amazing story of Cesar, who had great agency, great power. She was a, an adventurer and nothing, nothing stopped her, nothing held her back. So you can go and read all about her story. Um, it's recorded by Bard Mythologies on our website, herstory.ie. That's one of my all-time favorites. Lady Mary Heath as well, another great adventurer. She was actually more famous than Amelia Hart. Would you believe she was the original queen of the skies? She was the first person, man or woman in the world, to fly the length of Africa. And she performed this feat in an open air cockpit. And she flew with her tennis racket and her silk dresses and her poetry book. She was an absolute, yeah, she was just a hoot. She was a real show woman. She'd get out of the, out of the cockpit after an epic voyage and she'd, you know, she'd be so surrounded by all of these you know men male journalists in all of this of this irish woman and uh, she'd get out and she'd twiddle the propeller of the airplane <laughs> just i mean she's great crack too um she's also a really gifted um athlete she at the time held the world the, the disputed world record for the high jump the first time she ever flew um, solo, she flew to Prague to address the Olympic Congress and demand that women be allowed to compete in the Olympics for the first time because they weren't allowed. So I bet you never heard of her before. Oh, like she's from Limerick. All there is at the moment in Limerick to her is just a little plaque on the wall, but she was a, the original Queen of the Sky. She performed her epic um, flight across Africa two years before Amelia Hart's transatlantic flight. Wow. So, which, yeah, she was one of the great heroines of the Her Story TV series. Um, this is a beautiful illustration by Lauren O'Neill that was created especially for the TV series that launched last year. And she, uh, yeah, she's just such an icon. She died quite young, quite tragically, actually. Um, but I like to remember all her great, great moments. She really was something else. This is a beautiful illustration by um, Sean Brannigan from Storyboard Workshop. And everybody just looks at and presumes it's Amelia Hart, but it's not, it's actually our Irish aviator. There's two great Irish aviators. The second one, there's more, but the, the, my two favorites are, you know, I'm supposed to have favorites, but I do. Lillian Bland, she was not very bland at all. She was the first uh, woman in the world to design, build and fly her own aircraft. And she completed this feat uh, in Carmody Hill, County Antrim. And she called it the Mayfly in a flu. So she had this great sense of humor as well. She was very witty. And she didn't want to wait for the, the right, um, engine parts to arrive so she used her grandmother's ear trumpet in the whiskey bottle like she just was you know really ingenious very quirky character um Incredible. so there are just two of them you can read all about them all their stories and everything on the her story website um yeah wow well this, this is cool isn't it so i know the young people the young people of Ireland said to me when is this going to be made into an animation series this is by sean brannigan storyboard workshop we're looking for a funder to do a, um, a manga series um i bet you never you've never heard of some of the women there. They're no, but it. it looks amazing. Is this St. Bridget like throwing crosses? 
That's our next heroine, yeah. Mindy <laughs> Bridget. Mindy I Bridget. love it. She was such a badass, our Bridget, like. <laughs> Go on, tell me about Ninja Bridget. This is brilliant. Bridget was real ties, like. I tell you, she didn't do any, no dieting for our Bridget. She was like, yeah, in her power. Uh, so, the saint and the goddess. As a saint, she's a bit of an anomaly for Catholicism because she's a Catholic saint, but she was actually an abortionist and a lesbian. That's recorded in the annals. So she's a great progressive icon for our modern times. And she was a, an icon for the repeal of the eighth referendum and the marriage equality referendum. She's quite the character. Um, and she was a really uh, charismatic leader as a saint. She convinced this reclusive uh, monk called Conlis to come out of hiding. And together they formed a double monastery in Kildare, where men and women practice equally side by side. There is like no hierarchy. And um, so it was the early, early Christian tradition. And uh, yeah, she was just this legend, really. There's so much more to her than the cloak and the cross. You know, she's famous for the cloak and the cross, but there's so much more to her too. And there's another legend about her that she, her father wants to marry her off. Um, she's very beautiful. And she was having none of it because she wanted to look after animals. She was really passionate about caring for animals and poor people and um, the disenfranchised. So she, she, she decided to gouge her eyeball out to make herself less beautiful so that he, this suitor wouldn't be interested in her. Stop. That's one of the things. Yeah, you start digging for Bridget like, and you don't know what she's talking about. She really is. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, this is Bridget by Courtney Davies illuminating the GPO last year, actually. That wow. was really strange. We did, yeah, so we've been lighting up um, Ireland on Bridges Day for the last two years, and before that, we were lighting up on Nolagnaman. But we're going to make Bridges Day a national holiday, it's our big dream. So, fingers crossed, this time next year, we'll have a new holiday. This wow. is another, yeah, our work of Bridges by Courtney lighting up Kildare Cathedral. We lit up there again this year. So powerful. This is called Transition, this piece of art. So, yeah, very stunning, very powerful work. Bridges by Non Waters. I love her like Can I ask you, Melanie, how, how are these light shows um, produced? Like, it, it obviously looks incredible, but I'd imagine there's an awful lot of work that goes into something like this. Yeah, well, not really, actually. So we do an open call every year. And for young people listening today, like, you can send us your artworks of Bridget and we will light them up on landmark buildings and you'll get the photographs. Um, so it's a really amazing opportunity if you're a young artist and you want to see your work illuminated. And to make a statement as well, it's really important... Um, you know, to imagine Bridget, who she would be today, um, because she was also a pan-European goddess. She was celebrated all across Europe. She was a unifying force. So she wasn't always a pinky-faced white Irish woman. You know, she was a multicultural goddess. Um, so there's, there's a lot of information we have about her on her website, but you can very much, you know, you know interpret who she was. And um, she, she was the goddess of fire, water, and, and the arts, and fire being the elements of alchemy. So she would have been quite the activist in her day, um, so what, what causes would have been close to her heart if she was alive today? You can see there below the GPO, there's the soup kitchens. And they're always, it's very poignant when we do the light shows, you can see the soup kitchens that are there and the reality of homelessness in, 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 uh, in Ireland. And she wouldn't be one bit impressed if she was alive today. So that would definitely be a cause, a cause close to her heart. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah, so these are from the open call. We get submissions from people. You can send your, your artwork in. This is Ninja Bridget. Brilliant. Again, <laughs> yeah, like Sean Brannigan. Yeah, she's class, isn't she? So I class. Her on places. Yeah, that's like it's pretty spectacular shot. It's one of my all-time favourites. And this is Bridget by Dee McKiernan, actually an artist from Mullingar. It's very, very beautiful, very powerful. And Bridget by Jim Fitzpatrick. So, she, so Jim actually created... 
this Bridget from here, he calls me the ah. force of as you can see. Uh, the iconic Irish artist who did the Che Guevara print. And I asked him, I said, Jim, you have to be Bridget. He's 75 years of age, which I believe he'd never drawn fire before in his life. Amazing. So we had to go and research how to draw fire. That's an interesting fact about Jim for you. But I said, Jim, you're not allowed to do the cloak or the cross. You have to do, there's so many other stories about her. We can't put her in a box. Don't put, and it's like, this is a lesson for all young Irish girls. Don't put yourself in a box. You've got lots of different talents and skills. And Bridget says, you have to rise up now and use all those different skills. So um, I said, let's focus on the fact that she was, yeah, the, the goddess of, of fire and water. So in this particular image here, you can see it's actually blue flame, like, like gas. and. Uh, it's because she was the balance of masculine and feminine brought into, 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 into harmony. Um, fire is the, is the element, it's, it's the masculine element, and uh, water is known to be the feminine, the yin aspect. So she was this great balancer and weaver and um, mythic, epic, mystic heroine. Amazing. So that's it's the so, bridge that we've heard of before. It's yeah. so amazing to hear, um, you know, to hear you speak about all of these women, the way you are, Melanie. Obviously, you're so passionate about them. And I just think it's such a shame that these stories have not been told before. Like, why do you think that's the case? Like, you really hit the nail on the head where you, when you said, you know, we put people and saints and role models into certain boxes. Why do you think that, you know, these incredible heroines have been put in boxes that really make them seem so much more boring? To people studying and learning about them in the mainstream let's say yeah i think you know if you look back at history like it was male dominated and then how the stories are recorded and um the women didn't get the spotlight that they deserved and they had to be often more much more inventive and um ingenious and i think um badass really to be able to achieve what they achieved so I mean, I remember sitting down with Claire Hennessy. She's Ireland's, um, Penguin Ireland's uh, young adult editor. And she said to me, well, if you came to me and you said, this is, I want, to, I want to publish this as fiction, I'd run you out of here. But these stories are actually fact because they're real human stories because the, they, um, they had to be so, you know, inventive. They had to really break every rule. They had to look... Like, as my mum says, like, women are like water. We always find a way. So when there's a block somewhere, you'll just have to find another way because the systems and structures aren't designed to help us to achieve what we need to achieve. So, um, so that's why I think they were, just, they were just so trailblazing and so extraordinary. I mean, Lady Mary Heath is an example. Like, you wouldn't believe her story and what, like, what she did. Like, just like, phenomenal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't publish it as fiction. You'd think it was too, too absurd, but actually it was true. Incredible. So, yeah. It's amazing. Okay, let's keep going. So there's another incredible woman en route. Salome. I bet you've never heard of Salome before. She's no. um, one of my all-time all heroines. She is Kenyan. She moved to Ireland over 20 years ago and she founded Akidwa. It's the first ever um, migrant women's organization in Ireland. She's been empowering thousands of migrant women across Ireland for 20 years. And she's a true actor in that sense that she's so busy getting up the job that she never gets the spotlight that she deserves she's a really beautiful person I'll never forget the first time I met her and she walked into the room and she was wearing like full Ken Kenyan regalia you know, traditional dress and this, you'd feel this huge heart and she's you know so compassionate so compared um, um, so caring but like this huge force as well and she's just a powerhouse um, Really wonderful to work with her. Uh, we have a big affinity together because I adore Kenya. It's my favorite country on the planet and she's from Kenya. So lots of story, stories to share. But um, 
Yeah, President Higgins actually, he appointed her to the Irish Human Rights Equality um, Commission back in 2018. So she's a real trailblazer in the, in the field of, of equality and human rights. And she's just finished her PhD on peace and security in the Congo. Um, so we're putting her wisdom into practice. We're working together on a project called the Peace Heroines of the World Conference, um, which hopefully will be happening later this year. And we're going to be doing an international light show to light up in honor of all the different peace heroines from around the world. Because I'm sure the, the young girls and boys in Ireland have never heard about the role of the peace heroines in Northern Ireland, but it's actually a key case study for peace in the United Nations. And yet it's not taught in the curriculum in Ireland. And these women were... They're absolute heroines. If you go to New York, you sit down with the ambassador, she'll tell you that. It's a key case study for peace, but you'll never have heard their names. So we've actually recorded stories of 19 peace heroines from Northern Ireland. And we're going to be recording the stories all across the world from peace heroines. Because women have a really key role to play in healing conflict and trauma from conflict. So, and that's a universal insight. So um, that's really a really wonderful project that we're working on together. And we're also going to be launching another project, actually, on International Women's Day called Movement this is myself and Salome together. We're going to be presenting parallel life stories of an emigrant and an immigrant side by side, and they're connected by common humanity themes. So for example, myself and Salome, this is me and Salome together, and we both run women's organizations. We're really interested in women's empowerment, really interested in peace, but we also both migrated for education for further study. Salome came to Ireland where she studied and I went to the UK to study. Um, so we've lots in common, but yet from two very different countries, you know? And we've had very different experiences. Of course, I'm very much aware that I'm white and I'm Irish and I traveled with an Irish passport. And even in Paris, the Parisians light up when you say you're Irish, even though they don't like the rest of the French. So we, you know, we're, we're very blessed and we're very lucky as Irish to be so welcomed now around the world. It wasn't always the case. Um, certainly my grandfather would tell you otherwise about his experiences when he migrated. So we're very lucky and blessed, but it's, it's very important that we then extend that Cave Mila Falta genuinely authentically to all of the wonderful new Irish who come from all around the world to join us because I'm I'm so excited about Ireland how it's become a multicultural society like when I went to school I was really lucky I went to school called Wilson's Hospital and in the middle of nowhere in rural Ireland there was 29 nationalities like the only continents not represented were the Antarctic and Arctic so I think multiculturalism is normal that's my normal you know and I just thrived like you had all these insights and stories coming from all around the world and it was like this melting pot of of um, originality like everybody was different and, and difference was celebrated and like and asking the question where are you from was never racist because we we just we celebrated it it was just cool to be to be different so i was really lucky to have that experience but i know that you know there's racism is an issue in ireland and it's really affecting a lot of young people and all generations too so how do we help to to uh, harmonize the process to a more egalitarian multicultural society because everybody wins in multiculturalism like it's just it makes everything so much richer, like to be alive in a multicultural society, you just, you just feel more alive. That was my experience in London and Paris as well. It's normal there. And I'm really excited that Ireland's becoming increasingly multicultural. So Salome and I will work on this project together and it's launching on International Women's Day. It's really exciting. That's the poster design. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, can't, you, you've just covered so many important points, Melanie, and everything that you've said. And it's amazing to listen to you. And like, obviously, you have so much passion for everything that you speak about as well. Like, how do you think that young people and young girls in particular can feel confident about, you know, like you say, celebrating differences when society maybe sometimes like doesn't always allow us to do that? What is your advice to, you know, having that outlook and being able to say it is amazing and to embrace and celebrate, like you said, differences in different cultures? 
I think it's really important to be confident in who you are and your story and to tell it with confidence and, and great truth and wisdom and, and wit, humor as well. We always have a good laugh at her story, HQ. Um, but to really own your story and to be proud of it. And that can take a process. Like, you know, I used to always be terrified of public speaking and I was shy about sharing my story. And I'm going to be sharing my story for the first time, actually, my migrant experience for the first time when I'm 34. So it can take time to feel confident um, in sharing your story. But it's important that you do because when you step up into the light and you share your story, you give other people permission to do the same. And then you don't know what little seed you've sparked in somebody else and they'll feel confident then too. Um, and it'll open the doors. It gives everybody permission then to shine and to shine bright and to be their authentic selves. And the difference is like, you know, fundamentally we are, we're all very unique and different, but we're all one humanity. And that's, that's very important to remember that we're all in this together, in this sometimes crazy world, but very beautiful world too. And there's a lot of, I think, a lot of benefits to modern times and our connectivity and our ability to share stories online and yeah, but really step up and do it in an authentic way and be, and be proud of who you are. That's really important. And then you become more and more comfortable the more you grow up. I promise that that's always what happens. Yeah. Brilliant. Great advice. So where to next? Do we have one more heroine to learn about or are they your yeah. five? Yeah. So I know a lot of young people have been affected by the mother and baby homes. Um, I was talking to students in Loretto Dalkey, the sixth class. Six-year students were all very aware of it and they asked me my opinion. So I... I suppose we went on a very big healing process for the last um, Her Story Light Show on Bridges Day. We did a pilgrimage of light all across Ireland. We lit up landmarks in honour of all those who suffered because of the mother and baby homes. And one of my greatest heroines is called, it's, her name is Mary Harney. And she is a survivor of Vesper Mother and Baby Home and the Good Shepherd Industrial School in Cork. And she had a really, really tough childhood, like not easy, but she emerged as this extraordinary activist and academic and trailblazer and she's just one of my favorite people on the planet i get to sit down and have cups of coffee tea with mary for hours it's like my greatest pleasure she knows more about Bronya whale than anybody else <laughs> i've ever met as well our famous pirate pirate and diplomat quite an amazing skill matter our Bronya whale and i think yeah and in a way that's mary to a t she's the academic um but she's also the activist and she's really badass she's really very strong in her conviction and her storytelling but she's a huge heart too and this is me and mary i'm holding there oh. a picture it's her only picture she has from her childhood it was taken by the nuns and it was a bit of a staged photograph it wasn't the reality of the, of the conditions that they were actually in school but mary's gone on to be this incredible icon and then she's been a big influence on me and just i think the the ability of the human spirit to overcome enormous tragedy um, and difficulty and trauma and to still have a really happy, fulfilling life and to still realize your dreams. That's a, Mary embodies that. She's an example of what's possible. So I know for like, like most people, nearly all people have, have moments in their lives um, where it's, you know, they go through challenges and it's difficult and it's important to remember that you can overcome them and that you can go on to, to, to realize your dreams and your potential too. So that's why I really recommend Mary's story. You can read it on our website and Jane Fitzpatrick is doing her portrait at the moment. So she's going to be illuminated on the GPO, GPO soon. I'm really excited. So we made this beautiful little video. Will I show it to you? It's a film about yes, the light please. show. Oh, is it going to work? Let's see if I can play it now. Does it work? Aha, here it is.
Unbelievable. I think the first time I watched that, it made me so emotional and actually just re-watching it again, it's incredible and so poignant and so, you know, so creatively put together. I can only imagine that um, if you had been a survivor or someone affected or someone who knew someone affected by everything, that would just be an incredibly emotional watch. And a very healing watch. So we've had feedback from survivors, first and second generation survivors. And one woman, she couldn't cry. She could never process the pain of what she experienced. And then she could cry for the first time. And she said it was the most beautiful relief. It was release, you know, because, um, you know, they want to heal and they want to find um, peace within after all the trauma. And to be witnessed, I think, um, by the Irish public, it was the fastest growing petition in the history of the state. There was 200,000 200, signatures on the um, repeal the seal arch um, archive campaign. and. Um, and then to illuminate the, the survivors and those who lost their lives on the buildings, it was just a very important moment to witness, I think. And also I felt very strongly that we had to light them up on castles as well as, and museums as well as the, the mother and baby home institutions because they need, they deserve the royal treatment after, you know, and a lot of love and compassion after all they've been through. So yeah, it was, it was very, very special. And that's the power of light. And then, you know, if you look, if I look back and I think, you know, even five years ago, I'd never think I would, I would be doing what I'm doing today. And for young people out there, like, I, I remember the first time I, I spoke at the Her Story Lodge and Roisin Ingle from the Irish Times was like, where's Melanie gone? And I was hiding in the bathroom. I was so nervous. And I remember like, I really thought my hip was going to dislocate from, uh, or my leg was going to dislocate from my hip because I was shaking so much on the stage. And my mother convinced me that nobody could see it, but I was so nervous. And now I actually really enjoy public speaking. And sometimes I get nervous too, but like, you know, I've really grown into the role. And I'd say that about like, you know, about your future, like you might have a really big dream, but it's slowly, you know, bit by bit and you get there. And don't worry about the days you feel anxious or scared or, overwhelmed it's, it's fairly natural I still get moments where I feel overwhelmed by her story um but I'm really lucky to have a lot of support and great team around me too so yeah it's a labor of love and um it's a really it's a really great honor to to, 
to create something like this and all the stories are there it's it's, it's made for young young people of ireland so please go and, and read the stories and tell us write to us tell us what you want next for the project you can contact us, contact us directly on the website as well and we'd love to hear from you if only uh, there were more of you, Melanie, because I think that uh, all the change you're making is just unbelievable. And here's hoping that, you know, everything takes off again this year for you. Um, it's been so brilliant to chat to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to Thank chat you. and to be part of the Shine series. Thank you so much for having me, Louise.